Good morning, church family. Good morning. It is good to be with you this morning. I think you can hear me out there. Is that right? Awesome. Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Let's break the words of God together. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bible to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, while you're getting seated and prepared to hear a word from the Lord today. Uh, I am, I'll talk a little bit about what we're going to be uh, learning this morning. We are continuing a series uh, called Follow Me to Real Community. And the focus of our entire year, this year, has been really following after the life and lifestyle of Jesus. And our Lord Jesus Christ knows how to live in real community with other men and women. And we, are, we have been looking at the life of Jesus in the Gospels and using His connection with other people as a template for us to really learn how to live in real community with others. And real community gets real. We're just willing to break down barriers and to genuinely connect with people. Uh, real community really knows other people's identities. Uh, in real community, we can get personal enough to look, look past labels and problems and struggles and see into who a person really is. Last weekend, you know, we talked about how in real community, we learn other people's stories. And that was such a powerful moment for our church to be able to share cardboard testimonies and celebrate how Jesus Christ can truly rewrite and transform any story. Today we're going to be talking about how real community knows other people's calling. It knows their calling. And uh, if you really know someone's calling, what that means, just to summarize it really quickly for you, is that you can see in another individual something that they cannot see in themselves. A purpose higher than what is easily observed to their own eyes, by their own eyes. And you will learn today that your calling is revealed after you are converted and that once you are a part of the body of Christ, you are gifted by the Spirit for a special purpose. And that purpose is to be lived out in community with other Christians. So before I get any farther, I want to ask you to do something for me. Um, At WFR, we provide opportunities for you to live out your calling. And to do that with excellence, we got to make sure that we know who you are. That's critical. So, here's what we're going to do over the next four weeks. If you consider yourself a member of WFR Church, which would mean that you fall under the leadership of our elders, and you align yourself with our church's mission, which is to make disciples who love God, love others, and share Jesus... We're going to be handing out information cards, or we're going to have a spot on our church app where you can update or make sure the church actually has your correct information. And so we're not doing that today. I just want to give you a heads up that that will happen in every service, which is on Wednesday night and Sunday mornings for the next four weeks. So starting Wednesday, we'll have that uh, uploaded to our app. You can go to our app and update your information. Sunday mornings, we'll have information cards. Wednesday evenings, we'll have information cards. And we need you to help us declutter our system. So to do that, we need you to hand us your information to make sure that it's correct. The purpose in all of this 
is so that we can better live the mission and calling that God has called us to corporately as a church and individually as followers of Jesus Christ. And if you look in the Gospels, you see that the Lord Jesus was the master at knowing someone's calling. Jesus could see in people something that they couldn't see in themselves. He could see a purpose that they didn't feel equipped for. He could see a calling that was beyond what their comprehension could easily wrap itself around. Some examples that came to mind were John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. The woman who's caught in adultery, you know the story. Jesus eventually says, go and leave your life of sin. That's a calling to holy living. No doubt up to that point, she couldn't see that as within the realm of possibilities for her life. Another woman in Luke 7 anoints the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says to her, your faith has healed you. Now go and live at peace. The call to peaceful living, to making peace, to being at peace with the Lord was no doubt something this woman could not see in her life until Jesus places that calling on her. In Matthew chapter 16, we get one of the most powerful illustrations of Jesus seeing something in someone that they no doubt had trouble seeing in themselves. Jesus places a calling on an individual that is so big and so great and so powerful, it was hard for this person to wrap his mind around. We're going to focus in on Jesus calling Peter to build and hold the keys to the kingdom of God. Let's pick up our text in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. The Bible says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock will I build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So if we're going to talk about your calling and a purpose in your life that is greater than one you can comprehend, we have to start with the most important question you will ever answer in life. Now we ask ourselves questions all the time, and some of those questions aren't really all that important if we're being honest with ourselves. For example, and you may have asked yourself some questions like this this morning, how do I look in this? Right? That's a question we ask, not all that important. Another question we might ask ourselves, I wonder what so-and-so thinks of me. It's very easy to get overly uh, curious in terms of what other people's opinion about us is. I wonder what they think about me. One question we sometimes ask ourselves that seems a little more important than those first two is, I wonder if there is enough money in the bank to cover that. 
That's a question we ask. And in my life, I have been fortunate enough to ask what I consider some really important questions. Here's three. The first one that came to my mind, really important question that I asked is, I asked my bride if she would marry me. Um, Another really important question that I've been fortunate to ask in my life is, Babe, are you pregnant? And the answer to that always terrified me a little bit. Another, another question that I asked about 10 years ago, and I asked this of my bride as well, is would you move to me, with me to the state of Louisiana, to which she answered a resounding, mm, yeah, I guess. <laughs> You're going to ask a lot of questions in life that aren't important at all. And you're going to ask some questions in life that feel very important. But you will never ask or answer a question as important as the question Jesus asks his disciples in this text. Not who does the world say Jesus is. Not who does your wife or your family say Jesus is. But who do you personally say Jesus is. It's more, more important than answering the question, am I going to hit a home run when the bases are juiced and it's the end of the game and there's two outs and i got to come through for my team? I don't have time to dig into this a lot this morning. I do want to point out that God's grace is a requirement if you are going to answer this question. God has to reveal himself by his grace for you to answer this question. And God demonstrates his grace to each person By creating beings in his image in a world that absolutely testifies to his existence. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. God's grace is demonstrated generally in the world he created. God reveals his grace to us in a special way through his word. Uh, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The world that God created, the word that God has given, and the spirit that enables all people to respond to the message of the gospel. Jesus put it very plainly in John 12:32 when he says, "When I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself." You can answer that question, church family, and it's the most important question you'll ever answer. In fact, this question alone is at the center of what life is all about. That's the one question that centers our entire life and your response is really the only thing in your life that matters. Let me say that again. Your response to the question of who Jesus is is the only thing in life that really matters. And that's gut check time. What do you value in your life? When I say the only thing that matters in your life really is who you say Jesus is, do you think of your bank account? Do you think of your career? Do you think of your home? Do you think of your education? Or can you surrender to the truth that Jesus is the only thing that I really need and when I have Him, I've got everything? How you sit with that statement will say as much about what you value in life as anything else will, and it'll help you realize how centered around Jesus you truly are. What we see in the life of Peter is that the right answer 
to the most important question reveals our calling. The right answer to the most important question will reveal our calling. You see, when Peter gets this question right, by the grace and mercy of God, Jesus places a very powerful calling on his life. Think about this. He says, Peter, you are going to have a central role in building the church. And to take it one step farther, Peter, you are actually going to have the keys to my kingdom. That's a pretty big statement. That's a pretty big calling. And we see in that some qualities of the calling that God places on the lives of members of his kingdom. Your calling is always going to be bigger than you. Your calling will always be bigger than you. We serve a big God who is capable of doing big things through small and broken people. Your calling will be bigger than you. Your calling is also going to require skills and tools that you don't have. Your calling is going to require skills and tools you don't have. It doesn't matter how skilled you are. It doesn't matter how qualified you are. Your calling will require more than you've got. If you feel God moving you in a direction, if you feel God connecting you with certain people, if you feel God leading you down a certain path and you feel really inadequate, you feel really unprepared, you feel really under-equipped, that probably means you are headed down the right path in life. God, someone once said, doesn't call the equipped, He equips the called. The reason God does that is because the truth about our calling is we can't do it without God acting and working through us. And God places these big callings on our life that we're unqualified for to keep us completely and utterly dependent on Him, which is the only way life will truly make sense. I want to talk a little bit this morning, however about the significance of community in your calling. The significance of community in your calling. I can't read through 1 Corinthians 12, but God teaches us that we are part of a body. Your gifts and your skills and your calling fit perfectly into place in the kingdom of God with a local group of Christians that are on mission together. And the body, when it works together, functions in a way that makes no sense and couldn't happen outside of divine influence. Its effect is bigger than any effect on each of the individual parts, and its capacity is much bigger than any member could imagine. One reason community is so important in helping you live out and truly answer your calling is because community helps you stay confident in and committed to your calling when the seasons of life challenge the very depths of your faith. Peter had some significant struggles after this moment in Matthew chapter 16. So Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus says, Peter, you are going to build my church and you're going to have the keys to the kingdom. And at that point, I would be thinking, man, this guy probably never makes a mistake again in life. I mean, he's seen Jesus work miracles. He's heard the most powerful teaching in the history of the world. This Messiah just told him he's going to have a central role in building up God's kingdom. He's going to function as a doorkeeper. You would assume that that call from the Christ would mean that his confidence and commitment to that calling would keep him on the straight and narrow path. Man, that this guy would be motivated to resist the temptation to sin and constantly live on mission. And that's not what happens in Peter's life. I don't have these texts on the screen, but I want to give you three moments in Scripture where Peter really struggled. The first is in the same chapter that we're in. This is in Matthew 16. A few verses later, Jesus is saying, look, I am going to be killed, and three days later I will rise. And Peter says, "Uh, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Like so many of us, Peter screws up right after a really powerful encounter with Jesus. And Jesus identifies one of the shortcomings in Peter's life. He says, Peter, you're more focused on the natural, on the here and now, than you are on the spiritual, on what is unseen. And Peter had that struggle for the rest of his life. An over-focus on the material and the natural, and an under-focus on the spiritual or what is hard to see. Peter also had a struggle with pride. In Matthew 26, Jesus tells Peter, that he will deny Christ, that he'll deny him three times. And in Matthew 26, 35, Peter boldly says, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples, they said the same thing. Man, a guy whose mind was set on the natural, a guy who really battled with pride. In Galatians 2, 11 through 14, we see that Peter had a struggle with integrity. Paul, when writing to the Galatian church, actually says that when Peter comes to Antioch, that he actually opposed Peter to his face because Peter stood condemned. Listen to this. Certain men came from James, and and he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when these guys arrived who came from James, Peter began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles Because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group, the guys who came from James. And the other Jews that were hanging with Peter joined him in this hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Jews and Gentiles didn't mix. But when Peter wasn't hanging around the Jews and he was mostly around the Gentiles... He was one of the crowd. He was eating with them. He was studying with them. He was hanging out with them. But then when some Jews came... All of a sudden, Peter's like, oh, wait a second, I don't know these guys, and he wants to hang out with the Jews. He lived two different lives. Paul calls this hypocrisy. He struggled with integrity, really living the same way in public that he lived in private. Jesus could see something in Peter that he couldn't see in himself. And you imagine... After Jesus confronts him with being too materialistic or after Jesus looks at him following his denial of Christ or even in this moment where Paul confronts Peter, at the back of Peter's mind, he's got to be saying, 
I've got the keys to the kingdom. I'm going to help build the church. I'm a carnal, prideful liar. How can that be my calling? Honestly, church family, our sin and our struggle should disqualify us from our calling. I was going to invite somebody on the stage. i got something in my pocket here that I want you to look at. I'm not going to take the time to do that. You guys can see what these are right here. These are my keys. And these keys give you entrance into my domain. Right, now think about this for just a second. Let's say I called you up on the stage and I said, Sir or ma'am, here are my keys. These are the keys to my home, my car, my office. They can get you anywhere you want to go in my life. And they're yours. And I'm going away for a while. And I want you to take care of my stuff. In that moment, you should feel some terror. Well, Trent, I mean, are you sure? I've struggled with this particular sin, or I'm, I'm going through this season right now, or these certain people are part of my family of origin, and man, if they find out, they may come over and try to raid your fridge and eat all the food you got. Are you sure, Trent, that you want me to have your keys and access to everything you've got Trent, are you sure that I'm, I'm qualified? In every major trial and every major struggle you went through from the moment I gave you your keys would call into question your confidence and commitment to your calling. So in the midst of Peter's struggles, how did this guy stay confident in and committed to his calling. A guy who made many mistakes and struggled with lots of things after Jesus gave him his mission assignment. How did he do it? So I'm praying about that and I'm, and I'm studying the scripture. And Peter wrote two letters that give us some insight into his mind and life. And I want to draw your attention to a verse that I think answers this question. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. I've got this on the screen for you now. Peter is writing and describing things that are, that are critical to living a, a holy life and, and enduring suffering and, and following after Jesus and, and persevering. And in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, he says a phrase that should catch your attention. And he says this, Above all, so he's been writing and teaching and training us in these letters how to stay committed to and confident in our calling despite struggle and suffering and sinfulness. And Peter says, above all, here's what you got to do. You have to love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. If you would study that verse, you'd find two things that are really important. First... The word for love in this verse is agape. That means unconditional love. That's the deepest kind of love. That's the kind of love we find in real community. 
That's the kind of love demonstrated by Jesus. Man, he could get real. He could see people's identity. He knew their story. And he could see something in people that they couldn't see in themselves. Their calling. And he called people and equipped them for their calling. And one way he does that, according to Peter right here, is by giving us a community that we can be in that loves deeply. And Peter shares with us a powerful quality of this kind of love. He says, deep love, real love, love experienced in a real community has this covering effect for our sin. It actually covers a multitude of sins. A word in Greek, I want you to get this, I'm not going to take this too deep, is kalyptei. And it's translated correctly, it does mean to cover or to hide. But it is never used in reference of covering something up from God. And let's be honest, we can't cover anything up between us and God anyway. This word is only used in the New Testament to describe someone covering up something from someone else being able to see it. Let me give you a few examples. Matthew 8, 24, this is NASB. Behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being covered... With waves. If we were on the shore and we looked out, we probably couldn't see the boat. Why? Because it was being covered, calyptei, with the waves. A barrier between humans and the things seen. Luke 8.16, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under the bed. The word for hide is the same word, calyptei, other people cannot see it. 2 Corinthians 4.3, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, covering between people. Here's the function of this verse. The people that Kirsten and I are in real community with, they, they know our struggle. And I'm not hiding anything from them. Listen to this, church. But when the people I am in real community with love me despite my sin, it kind of covers over it with me. and helps me feel like, man, I can overcome this. I can move past this. If my community can love me despite my sin, if they can love me deeply despite my struggle, then maybe my sin and maybe my struggle by God's grace and power and the encouragement of my community doesn't disqualify me from my calling. Maybe it helps me move past it. Maybe it helps me overcome it and keeps me committed to and confident in my calling. Above all, love each other deeply because there's going to come a season where you're struggling threatens to overwhelm you, where your sin is all you can see in your life, where the season you're in threatens to take you off mission and cause you to doubt and lose commitment in your calling. And when other people love you and they love you deeply despite your struggle, it covers that up and helps you stay committed to and confident in the purpose that God has called you to live in this life to influence people in the next. Praise God. God. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. I hope you'll study that out this week. We've been talking about the importance of real community 
And you see beautifully in those words of Peter how real community functions in our lives as Christians. And we're going to offer some opportunities this fall to really dig deep in real community. One of those we've been talking about a lot is called Rooted. And it is the discipleship pathway at our church. And those Rooted experiences are going to give you the chance to be in community for real. And this really brings us to the second most important question you can ask. Way less important than the first. And the answer to this doesn't matter if you don't get the first question right. But the question you need to ask yourself today is, no joking around, am I in real community? Am I in community for real? Am I in relationships with people where they can see my struggles and my sin and the season I'm in and can love me deeply through that? Am I? Two things I would, I would ask you to consider this morning. Number one, if you haven't answered the most important question as I am closing our service time by a prayer and our praise team is going to sing, I invite you to respond. And, and, and give a testimony before this group of people that today, who you say Jesus is, is the Lord of your life. The Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. It's the most important question you'll ever answer. And the second is, are you in real community? And if you are not, I invite you to respond. I challenge you to come forward to admit I'm out there carrying every burden in life, every misery I go through, the agony and pain that I'm experiencing. I'm trying to carry all that by myself, and I need to be in real community to overcome that, to help me cover that and move past it. If there's any other need in in your life this morning, we want to pray over you and encourage you. After I pray, while our praise team sings, you guys have the opportunity to come forward, and I pray you'll take advantage of it today. Let's bow. Precious Heavenly Father. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for a church that is willing to dig deeply into it and let it encourage and motivate and uplift us. I ask if any under the sound of my voice haven't answered correctly that question, that today you would strengthen and empower them to answer it. And I ask if any are not in real community that they would be challenged by the words that you have placed on me this morning and that they would come forward and admit it and get committed to real community. If someone has any other need, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name they would bring that to you this morning. Amen. Please stand with me while together we sing.